This episode of The Explainer is supported by Daft Advantage Ads. Selling a home is a huge financial decision, so make sure your property is on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, what's behind Ireland's love affair with the late late? Well, after a good couple of months of speculation, the wait is finally over and it's been announced that comedian Patrick Keelty will be the new host of The Late Late Show. He'll take over the Friday night slot from Ryan Tuberty, who's hanging up his boots after a mammoth 14 years at the helm. But Tuberty forms just a small part of the story of the show. The Late Late stretches back six decades, right back to 1962. And in that time, it's come to dominate Irish television and society too, in some ways. So before Ryan's last show this Friday, we decided to take a look at RTE's flagship show and assess its place in Irish society in the past and present. Will Keelty give a somewhat flagging format the boost it badly needs? Is this the end of an era for Irish television or will there always be a place for this type of appointment viewing? Now to look at all of this today, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Mark O'Brien, who's head of DCU School of Communications and an associate professor of journalism history, and Kirsty Blake Knox, who's a journalist and writer with the Irish Independent. Kirsty and Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, can I just ask, firstly, how would you describe the Late Late Show's place in Irish society? I think it's got a really unique and exceptional place um, in Irish history. Um, it's kind of formed for a lot of people almost like a cultural backdrop to, to them growing up and they can remember moments from it. Um, it's not in its golden era at the moment. It hasn't been for some time. Um, but when it was, it kind of really sat the agenda for what people were talking about. It was a classic kind of water cooler conversation creator TV. And it's really had some kind of kicked off some really important debates and conversations, particularly, of course, when when Gay Byrne was presenting. Well, as someone who remembers the Gay Byrne years, it was very much as a child of the 70s and 80s, that was the soundtrack to our lives on a Friday. And if you were lucky, you were allowed to stay up for the first hour of it. It, it was very much ahead of its time even for RTE, wasn't it, Mark? It was, certainly. Um, the idea for The Late Late Show came from a journalist, a man called Tom McGrath, who worked for the Dublin Evening Mail. He immigrated to Canada and started working in TV. And when RTE was was set up in the early 1960s, he came back and uh, was appointed as head of light entertainment. And it was he that had this idea for uh, a chat show on this new television uh, station, uh, The Late Late Show. And... You know, it's 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 still even today the flagship show on RTE. But I think when people think of of the Late Late Show, I think it's a very generational thing. So and it's very tied in with the presenter of the show when you were growing up. So people of a certain generation will remember perhaps its heyday under Gay Byrne in the seventies and eighties, and then later you know when the show was a real trailblazer in terms of a lot of hot topics and taboo topics. And then as Irish society changed, the show changed as well. And when you look at the format then, if he was coming, say, from Canada, as you say, was he basing the studio audience and the sort of format on a very American style chat show? Yeah, it's it's on the record that McGrath based the idea of the Late Late Show on the NBC's Tonight Show. Uh, which he had been exposed to while living in Canada. And the whole idea of of this particular show was that uh, there would be an audience, there would be an eccentric mix of guests every week. The longtime 
researcher on the on the show, Pan Collins, in her autobiography, described how every week she had to assemble a rota of guests to include an intellectual, a glamour personality, a VIP, a cynic, a comic and an eccentric character. And the identity of those guests were hidden from Gay Byrne, who only met them just before the show started. And so there was that huge unpredictability. There was that huge ad libness, unpredictability. And that's what people you know, wanted. That's why people tuned in, because nobody knew what was going to happen on the Late Late Show. And if you missed it, you'd miss out on conversations the following day in terms of, did you see the Late Late Show last night? And did you see this, that and the other? Um, so it, it was a very unique mix um, and a new style of show for RT in its early days. And it certainly caused a lot of controversy. In credit to like, Gay also produced the show as well as presenting it. Um, and he was a fantastic producer. And he must, like, he obviously kind of struck on a formula that that worked, you know, um, but it does need to be revised going forward. I think everyone kind of can sense that it hasn't got a freshness to it that it did back when when he was presenting it. Most of us are remembering the Gay Burn era. We had perhaps one television and two channels. So they did have a captive audience yeah. and Ireland was in a very particular place. But we're in Ireland now in 2023. It's a very different society. Yeah. How we view media is very different. Oh, 100 percent. Like there's so much choice now. People can be so fickle. You can change the minute you don't like a guest, an item, whatever. So it is much harder to retain an audience in, in that way, you know. Um, and like you said, this was kind of a place when Gay was presenting where people come to hear these discussions and it was a real cultural and kind of social issues of the day were discussed. It, it isn't that anymore. And why do you think Gay Byrne was the choice? As you say, he was obviously a very good producer as well. He must have been modern in his thinking in order to be able to hold these conversations. Yeah, he was um, he was already presenting a radio show on on what was then Radio Air, um, the Pick of the Pops um, music show, and he had this reputation as being a very competent, very professional. Uh, he was twenty eight years old. He was young. Um, Pan Collins and again described him back then as as, as a cocky presenter, uh, and so the idea he was handpicked by McGrath to be the presenter of this new show because of that radio persona that he had. Now, there were other people floating around Telefisharen at the time as well, people like Eamon Andrews, people like Terry Wogan, but it was Gay Byrne that was handpicked to lead out on the Late Late Show. And the idea was that the older audience would tune in to see some of the distinguished guests and the younger audience would tune in to see Gay Byrne. So it was about trying to maximize the audience share through this, I suppose, generational battle that would be played out on the show. And Mark, they did get some pretty high level guests back in the Gay Byrne days. I know Kirsty's saying there, there that they do need a bit of a shake up and they do get criticized for the suggestion that guests are coming in from the RTE canteen in the last few years. But back in the Gay Byrne years, some very high level names coming in. Oh, they did. Um, you know, the from, from the 60s onwards, people like Peter Eustonoff, Joseph Locke. And uh, I suppose a key part of the Late Late Show in attracting large audiences were the special shows that it ran. So tribute shows to the stars of Ireland, Irish music and theatre. So people like uh, the Dubliners, for example, would have had a special show dedicated to them. Maureen Potter, Noel Purcell, all those 
high profile, famous people of the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah, I know it did feel like Nell McCafferty was on all the time. And that was the first time I heard the word feminism or anyone talking about women's issues. And RTE, yes, it's always been good at current affairs, but that sense of controversy drew people in. And it has lost a bit of that, Kirsty, hasn't it? hundred percent. When we're talking about those specials as well, like those were the entertainment ones, but there were also ones that were really heavy hitting, like, you know, divorce, AIDS, like these were programs entirely devoted, uh, the relevancy of the Irish language. At one stage he brought, there was one special release to fill the audience entirely with priests and ministers. So it wasn't just kind of the lighter, fluffy elements. Whereas if you look at the specials now, they're exclusively lighter stuff. It's the country and Western special or the, the country music special, the the Valentine's Day special and stuff like that. So there definitely has been a move away in terms of those kind of landmark kind of specials during the year, the, the tone of them has shifted. And Mark, you mentioned the Irish media landscape at the time. What was it like? Uh, obviously, the late, late standing out, but it's often spoken of as breaking the mould, shaking up the traditional landscape. But was that really the case? Uh, it was. Now, it was a product of its time as well. Um, this is the 1960s. So Ireland is changing um, hugely. So free trade, urbanization, an economic boom, more women in the workplace, the role of the church under consideration by the Second Vatican Council. So it, you know, it was it was the right show in the right place at the right time in many ways. And and it did it did kind of um, break the mold in terms of the media landscape, certainly uh, at the time dominated by national newspapers that were by and large tied to or supportive of political entities. And when RT was established in 1961, that was the mold breaker because here for the first time was a national media organization that was bound in law to be objective and impartial in its coverage of news and of news and current affairs. And that really shook up Irish society. Um, so the Late Late Show came along at the right time in the right place. Uh, and so the context is important, but that's not to take away from the fact that it did blaze a trail in terms of its coverage of controversial issues. And we do have a clip here, actually, that demonstrates really the type of conversations that we would see on the Late Late Show in that time. In this case, it's a conversation in the wake of the infamous condom episode. I have, a, I have an 18-year-old daughter that I wouldn't want to, to see these things. You wouldn't want your 18-year-old daughter to see a condom? I'm telling you, if she was in the sitting room last night with me, I'd have been very embarrassed. <laughs> would. would she have been embarrassed? I think she would have. I think she would have. Would his daughter have been embarrassed? Well, I can only talk for my daughter. She wouldn't know. But surely this is the point, that it's, yes. it's the, a lot of the embarrassment comes from the previous generation That's right. because of the conditioning that they've had. That's right. Now, I mean, in relation to the, the, the other the mention about figures on unmarried pregnancies, this is a very important thing. If you actually go, go back on the reports on unma- unwanted pregnancies, you find there's a considerable percentage, a minority, in which there's a lot of alcohol involved. Now, so it's not just a question of contraceptive practices, it's a question of the total health education of people to realise what drugs do to them, how young people feel when they're in love and when people who are in love are taken over by a normal conventional form of madness in which they suspend a lot of ordinary rational decision making and for their partners they will take risks that they will not normally take so we've got to prepare people for life on a much broader basis I mean Kirsty when you listen back to that it seems so twee and it's like coming out of a different country really isn't it and you know the expert there explaining the madness of love and the father really upset about everything it's it's hard to bring yourself back to an Ireland like that yeah it really is and you kind of like you're smiling kind of listening to it because like you say it does sound so out of date now but like you were saying Mark at the time that was really like a really hot 
topic and really controversial and 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 you know it's very easy now to kind of be like oh god everyone's getting riled up about condoms but like this is contraception was illegal and like, you couldn't get them <laughs> I mean I, I remember the Virgin Megastore was the first place where I, as, that I remember you know where people could walk in and perhaps buy yeah. them and there was absolute uproar about that when you think of all the even married women trying to go to the GP to even get yeah. some sort of contraception was unheard of and really really tough times like for was, a lot of there people. was so much secrecy and then this was the prime time television slot talking about it like it was like really blowing something open that had been everyone had been concealing like that was so it was really significant it is an interesting thing isn't it when you when you think of the influence of the church that we had and there was very much a don't talk back environment and really gay burn standing there on a friday night on primetime television and talking about this is is phenomenal really it is i mean the power of the church even though the power of the church was under examination in in, in the 1960s like the church had no accountability. Um, it wasn't called upon to be accountable by any national media organisation. And indeed, when RT was established in the early 1960s, the Archbishop of Dublin, John Charles McQuaid, wrote to Kevin McCourt, the Director General, and, and told McCourt that because the Montrose Studios were located in the Archdiocese of Dublin, that that made McQuaid the spiritual advisor to RTE and that he was happy to approve programming and presenters and all this kind of thing. Um, I'd say he would have been more than happy knowing <laughs> the personality think, type. I think he would, but, but RTE pulled a fast one, which uh, you have to give credit to McCourt. Um, when McQuaid left to go to Rome to sit at the Second Vatican Council, um, McCourt took the opportunity to appoint a liberal priest as the from the Dominican order as the spiritual advisor to to RTE. So, but it, it, like, you know, that makes no sense to people of a younger generation, but it does demonstrate the power dynamic and the power battles then going on in 1960s Ireland. And then also an understanding perhaps of the people in RTE of who they were dealing with and how important it was to keep that impartiality. Mm. Uh, Kirsty, I suppose we can't even talk about any era of the late late without mentioning the toy show yes. and even Gay Byrne yeah, in his heyday was at the helm of the yeah, toy show. Yeah, so the toy show was thought up by Pan Collins who you've mentioned she was a fantastic researcher, really interesting, dynamic woman. Um, she's like ambidextrous and used to take notes with both hands during production meetings I've heard. So she's really, really had a great nose for a story. She was walking through Stillorgan past Nimble Fingers and this idea of a toy show came to her. She went, she pitched it to Gay. Gay said, no, we're not doing that. It sounds awful. Um, so he had a right-hand woman, Maura Connolly, who he's very, very close with. She was apparently um, the person who would sit with him having his uh, egg and chips every Friday before going in to do the Late Late. And Pan knew if she got more on side, then they would have be able to run with the item. That's what happened. And it went in. It was originally just a segment, but it proved the most popular. And in credit to Gay, he kind of realized that's what the audience wants. So from then on, it became a perennial in the calendar. I think one year it wasn't in when they were doing a Maureen Potter special. <laughs> but, <laughs> she was part and parcel of it, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And mm. since then, it's kind of grown. Like you, I think you've got definitely people who liked uh, Gay and Pat's approach, which was kind of like, had a certain level, tone of weariness to their approach, I'd say, is a diplomatic way of saying it. Whereas Ryan is like, I don't think there's anyone in the country as excited as he is when it comes to the toy show. Like he really has turned it into an absolute juggernaut and a huge, huge part of not just the late, late schedule, but Ortiz's schedule. And it brings in 
phenomenal money and viewing figures every year. So, so in fairness, he yeah. is all in on it. And, and I do remember that with the Gayburn, I suppose his touch was maybe he'll put on a Christmas jumper yes. and that was his nod to it. And Pat Kenny yeah. always looked a little bit <laughs> overwhelmed, <laughs> like in the him, which is entirely understandable. Yeah. It is yeah. it is an un, unusual idea, the idea that the whole country will stop and look at toys on a Friday night. It's insane in a way when you think about it, like any other, like you said, this is the primetime show. It's just going to be about children toys you kind of think that people aren't going to stick with that but but it's it's become like you know like a lot of people describe it as an institution it's it's there every year and like you say I think Ryan's almost replaced the Billy Barry's in terms of like doing <laughs> singing and dancing and everything I also remember their smiles <laughs> how can they smile so much yeah. and Mark has, has any other media ever tried anything like this I don't think I've seen this anywhere else not that I'm aware of the, the toy show really breaks all the rules about never working with animals or children uh and you know, I think each, as 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 we've said, each each presenter had their their own idiosyncratic styles in terms of dealing with 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 the kids on the show. But uh, no, it's a uniquely Irish phenomena, and like it goes worldwide now, courtesy of uh, the internet and the World Wide Web and all of that. Um, so it's no longer just a Dublin or an Ireland thing. It's it's a worldwide audience now, and and it really kind of uh, appeals to the Irish diaspora around the world as well. That's probably a good time to have a look at Pat Kenny's time on the show. And we do have a clip uh, of one of the most iconic moments during his tenure. Uh, This is where a woman has just won two tickets for the toy show and she's on the line talking to Pat. And let's just say things didn't go according to plan. And what is the answer to our question? Uh, Roald Dahl. And Roald Dahl is correct. You know what this means? Uh, Yes. (laughs) You'll be picked up. It's a Cork number. Yes. A Cork city. Yes. All right. If they tortured her, I, they couldn't get anything out of this woman. There's no question about it. Barbara, who are you going to bring to the toy show next week? Oh, I, I'm not particularly interested. <laughs> hang, hang on a second, Barbara. Wait a second. Hang on. Just a sec now. There's the tickets to the toy show, right? You can yeah. <laughs> okay, so they're gone. Um, so you don't want to come to the toy show? No, thank you. All right, so you want the 10 grand? There you are. I think I'll give up this job. Anyway, you won fair and square. You were picked out. Thank but you so uh, there's the toy show tickets anyway. Sure, I'll give them to someone who would appreciate it. Thank Barbara, you. congratulations on the 10 grand. Enjoy it. Thank and you. Um, we'll pick you up. We'll bring you up. But we won't bring you to the toy show. Lovely. All the best. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> Barbara not on Pat Kenny's Christmas card list after that. He <laughs> seems so fed up. But uh, look at Pat Kenny in the role, Mark. How was that received and how would his tenure be defined? Because he did have massive shoes to fill. He did, and it wasn't wasn't an easy thing to do. Gay Byrne had at this stage been presenting the Late Late Show for something like thirty seven years, so anybody taking over would have big shoes to fill. Now Kenny did have his radio daily radio show on Radio One, um, so it, it was kind of following that Gay Byrne mold of radio show and Late Late Show. So he stepped into the into the, into the role, um, but he he made a, lo- a lot of changes. Um, the theme tune changed. The introduction of auto cues uh, was 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 Gabriel never used an auto cue, and that kind of added to the unpredictability and ad libness of the show. But under Kenny, it became a more highly polished, highly produced show. Guests were announced in advance as well, and again, that kind of lessened the you know unpredictability of who was going to appear. But overall. A lot. There was a lot of comment at the time uh, when he took over, and quite a number of TV critics made the point that 
you know, it really was the end of an era with Byrne going after nearly 40 years. Maybe it was time for the show to be retired as well. But as as Kirsty said, it's such an iconic uh, brand, an iconic show. Uh, it was continued. And um, look, Kenny brought his own strengths and 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 idiosyncrasies to to the show. You know, to give to give him his due, audience figures didn't collapse. They 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 continued quite strongly. So, but yeah, again, that was in the the, the early two thousands before he had this massive explosion of 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 satellite and cable TV and social media and all the other distractions that are there now. And Kirsty, I suppose that's it, he was probably a safe pair of hands at a time where there wasn't anyone stepping in. Uh, would you say there's more comparison between my, maybe Gay Byrne and Toberty? They'd be a little bit more similar than maybe no, Pat. No, I don't think. I think there's more similarity between Gay and Pat than there would be between Gay and Ryan. The thing is, Pat, uh, Pat's um, tenure, sometimes people are quite a little disparaging because he wasn't always great at the lighter items. There were times where it go a bit awkward when he put on Bridget Nielsen's boots, stuff like that. But he's a fantastic broadcaster. And I think the thing that make him and Gay more similar is that they like controversy. They like confrontation. Like Pat is always saying he likes it when his radio show gets complaints to the broadcasting complaints committee because it means that people are engaged and they're connected. And even that clip that you played about him ripping up the toy show tickets, he's a very steady pair of hands, but there's this sense at times he is going to go off script and do something unpredictable. And that is appealing. And I think he did a, a, a really good job when he was presenting The Late Late. Um, and he is fantastic at that, the current affairs, at the harder things, at asking people questions that they don't want. So I, I think... Yeah, sometimes some of the lighter stuff didn't always work, but I think he did a really, really solid job. And I do think that he shares that similarity with Gay. Thinking of selling? Choose a daft advantage ad to guarantee unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for a daft advantage ad today. Pat Kenny obviously did his own show, Kenny Live, and then the late, late, but he was seen as someone who had strengths in the serious side of things. Mm. Yeah, and he went on, he left The Late Late Show because he basically, they came up with the format for the front line. Mm. It was a vehicle that was built around him. It played much more to his strengths. And also he'd been doing it 10 years. And I think in broadcasting terms, that's a huge mm. length of times to do something. And it's a very demanding show, as mm. we know. So he was moving into something that was more playing to his strengths and he he really like the the front line was really his vehicle you know and in in steps Tuberty and I suppose when you say that it, the Friday night slot over 10 years that's a huge demand yeah. it's a massive uh, time suck in someone's career life mm-hmm. and uh, Tuberty would have been seen as someone who was full of energy had his 2FM show yeah he uh, maybe was seen to be someone who would maybe give it a new lease of life oh yeah 100% like there was he was a lot younger like Pat retired from the late late when he was in is, is I think 60 Ryan took over and he was in his 30s so it seemed like going to a younger generation in a way even though Ryan throughout his career from when he started always sold himself as a young fogey so maybe Ortiz kind of thought you know it's hitting a younger demographic, but he's not going to alienate older viewers because he's got that kind of uh, appeal I think it was originally down to him or Jerry Ryan and I know Miriam said she kind of removed herself from the race as well but anyway he got it and I think that kind of being that bit younger definitely 
was seen as a strength. And Mark, I think the late Jerry Ryan did present it once. Would that be right? I think if I remember correctly, it might have been when Pat Kenny was unwell or Gabe Byrne was. I think it was when Pat's m- uh, one of his death, parents had passed. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would have been a contra- controversial enough figure to, to put in at the helm of that show, I think. He he would. I mean, he would have had the, the Jerry Ryan show on, on, on uh, 2FM, um, which was strongly in competition with Gay Burns' uh, radio show in terms of, again, that generational divide. It's the, the late 1980s at this stage and Jerry Ryan is attracting a much younger audience. That audience is growing hugely and the Gay Burns show re- audience is, is declining. But yeah, there was perhaps for Jerry Ryan that air of too much unpredictability. Um, it, uh, it yeah probably played out that way. And Mark, how was Tuberty received then in the first year or two? I mean, he didn't drop any ratings and he obviously did exactly what Kirsty said they hoped he'd do, which kept either side of the audience. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think Kirsty is right. It, it's, it's that old fogey persona that uh, appeals to a, an older demographic. But he has that, you know, um, and he's a younger person as well. So he appeals to the younger generation. So I know the audience ratings held up and, you know, I, slightly different to Pat Kenny, perhaps. I mean, it, I think Turbidy is better at the light side of things, mm-hmm. maybe not so strong on the heavy political side of things. I think his natural environment was um, celebrity, entertainment, um, not so much the current affairs side of things but it's hard to straddle both you know it's, it takes a particular skill set um, and I think Gay Byrne handled that with a plum you know maybe not Turbidy. Well Turbidy did touch on some serious interviews I know along the way and I think one of his guests that people would be most familiar with would be the late Vicky Phelan. Yeah. Now here she is in this clip speaking to Turbidy in late 2021 about uh, how and why she ceased chemotherapy. And like the flood of messages that I got in from people who said to me, you know, I admire what you're doing. Uh, one woman really stuck with me. She told me her, she was 10 when her mother died. So same age as what my son is now. And that was yeah. why it stuck with me. And she said, I remember, she said, all I have, she said, of my mother, memories of my mother, she said, of her being thrown in bed, sick and suffering. She said, I think what you're doing is so brave. She said, I would rather have had a shorter time with my mother, but more quality. And I just think, you know, those kind of messages to me really validate what I'm doing. And I think for me, it's the right thing. I know it's not for everybody, but... For me, I just think, no, um, I would rather my children have memories of doing stuff with me. And if I go sooner, so be it. But, you know. And Kirsty, how did Tuberty change the show? Do you think if you listen to that? I think what Ryan's strengths are is he is an incredibly empathetic broadcaster. Mm. You can see that with that interview with Vicky, with his interviews with Charlie Bird. Like he is an incredibly compassionate broadcaster. And that obviously is evident again in the toy show and the way he deals with um children and everything like that um he's an incredibly smart guy he's really articulate he's fantastic at um delivering like monologues straight down the barrel of the camera which he did really well and effectively during covid so he's i think he's that's where his skill set really is and like those were very powerful um uh and emotive interviews that he did so I think that's something that he's brought to it that's been a real asset, you know, in a way. And yeah, I think that's where he feels most comfortable as a broadcaster, you know. 
And after the last few weeks, there's been a lot of speculation about who was taking over. We've heard every name from Claire Byrne to Brendan O'Connor. And just recently there, it's been announced that it is going to be Patrick Keelty. And it seems an overall to have had a very positive response. Yeah, I mean, like, oh my gosh, everyone was suggested at one stage. It was like, I think everyone on RT bar Bosco had got <laughs> as, as the next Late Late Show presenter. Um, I think at first he, it was it was all about it was going to be a woman and and then ev- and then a lot of the female broadcasters kind of stepped out. Um, I think Patrick's a really really good choice. Uh, he, Who is Patrick Hilty then? Yeah, we'd know maybe the name, but not every listener is familiar with him because he wouldn't necessarily be on Irish TV or radio. Yeah, um, well, he's a comedian, um, a presenter, and an actor, um, and he's also he's a fantastic performer. Um, he started out. He's from Dundrum in County Down. Um, he started out as a comedian. He um, did uh, has done shows on the BBC. He actually presented Love Island. Celebrity Love <laughs> So he's clocked up. He's a huge amount of experience, but he's ranged from doing kind of like lighter stuff from comedy to he's done very emotive uh, documentaries. His father was killed when he was uh, 16 years old uh, by the Ulster Freedom Fighters. Um, and he's drawn on that and his experience of the peace process and things like that. So he's he's got a huge amount to him, which I think will really... Um, make him a really, really competent uh, uh, broadcaster to take over the show. And Mark, would you say he was the obvious choice? He, he probably wasn't in the mix in the early stages of the speculation, but he seems like the obvious choice now because it makes sense. In many ways, yeah. I mean, he seemed to have come from nowhere because, as Kirsty was saying, the huge amount of speculation centred on the existing RT stars, as it were, uh, particularly the females. And it's interesting, there's never been a female host of the Late Late Show, which is, you know, interesting in its own right. But uh, but no, I, I think he's a, he's a welcome appointment. Certainly he's a breath of fresh air. I think there were some there was some commentary about him living in London and would he be disconnected from what was happening in Ireland um, in this day and age? I, I think those concerns are, are not really valid. I think that's 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 not that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, his persona, I think, lends itself to um, and his background, I, I think he's well set to handle both sides of hosting the Late Late Show from the serious to the light. Would that be his biggest challenge, do you think? Uh, as you said, as we mentioned earlier, mm. that can be the hardest thing to keep it light, but also to sit down and do the hard interviews. Yeah, he like I, he did an interview with Tommy Tiernan on the Tommy Tiernan show and he discussed kind of like, you know, North South Divide and stuff, but he brought did it in a way that was very accessible. And I think that having that comedic background means he can kind of make it relatable and 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 go between those kind of serious subject matter to the lighter uh, side of things. But I really hope they, like, I really feel like they should restructure it a bit. And I hope that he's kind of insisted on that to suit him. When you look at how well I just mentioned the Tommy Tiernan show has done, that is a show that was devised around Tiernan and, and mm. plays to his strength. Similarly, even with Angela Scanlon's show, it's also been moulded to suit the broadcaster I think it needs to do with that with Patrick. And I think they should really lean on his comedy because he's a really funny guy, you know, and it would I think it would 
bring it up. Like, you and know? Chris, you but you did mention that he has been seen to to lean in on the on the serious side. He has been outspoken yeah. with the with what's happening in the north. And you mentioned the loss mm. of his father. Mm. So, do you think this his appointment could play well in the north? I'm not so sure they have a massive viewer figures for the late late in the north. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the first time someone from the north of Ireland has helmed a flagship or TV show. So, I think it, that's a really good. Uh, perspective to be bringing and it's probably overdue as well so and I definitely think that yeah I wouldn't like I mean it would hardly be surprising if more viewers from the north tuned in if they are familiar with his work and his profile and everything like that and Mark when you look at the overall landscape now do you feel like this is it for the late late if if Keelty gets it right we could be looking at another couple of decades and if it if he doesn't uh, is the show format in trouble I think, as Kirsty said, it all depends on how they how they they approach the show. Um, certainly, um, the idea of comedy as as a as a valuable and accessible form of communication for light and serious issues that that will play out to Kilty's strengths. Uh, hopefully, RT make the most of that. If the formula is changed and they get it right, then certainly, yeah, there's no reason why the flagship show shouldn't continue. If it doesn't, they could always try a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the US presidency now, isn't it? It doesn't seem to be happening. Kirsty, um, when you think of it, though, you mentioned Gay Byrne and how yeah. good he was mm. at reading the room, reading the Irish society. And mm. there is so much going on in this society that mm. could be discussed on a Friday night. They haven't quite mm. gone there with anything controversial. Do you think Patrick Keelty has it within him to do it? I think so. I think you can see that from the way he's discussed like his past and the way he kind of he deal meets stuff head on. And I think that's critical um and i think that he definitely has the capacity to do it he seems an incredibly smart guy and and i i would say that he's like you can kind of get the sense because even when he was at the iftas and and kind of hinting that he had got the job he seems really excited by it you know and, and that's a good energy to be coming at it with yeah know? he wants it which is yeah. great mm. because I, I, it, you'd have to have the energy for it and yeah. Mark finally we talked about a couple of channels and captive audiences in the early days do you think the days of appointment viewing like the Late Late Show are over now or is there a space for them still? Um, I, I think the when people think of the Late Late Show, I mean, in, in the 70s and 80s, as you said, it was, you know, two channel land. It wasn't I'm not so sure it was appointment television so much as default uh, watching because there was nothing. Zero else. choice. Zero, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you either watched it or you didn't. That was the choice. Um, but I think nowadays, um, if you want to have the audience make an appointment to watch the, the show, it, it needs to bring back that unpredictability. Um, as Kirsty was saying, the kind of unique thing about the Tommy Tiernan show is nobody knows who's going to appear. So you tune in with expectations uh, or without expectations, I should say, and that adds to the unpredictability and you never know what's going to happen. So they need to get back to that kind of a format, maybe, um, you know, just just make it unpredictable, make it lively. The energy that Kielty will bring to it will be key. And if they do that and if it's a success, then, you know, it, uh, there's another couple of years in the Late Late Show yet. Well, I have to say, Patrick Keelty is the one name that I, I felt no one I spoke to had any issues with, which yeah. was interesting. Mm. Someone had an opinion on everyone yeah. else. But, yep. Well, look, finally and very briefly, I'm going to put both of you on the spot and ask you who your favourite presenter of the Late Late was all through the years. Oh. Um, my gosh. Well, I was I kind of grew up with with Pat, I think would be my I, I remember that. I, but 
I think it's Gay's show. I think it like it's almost impossible to divorce him of it, even though he's no longer with us. You still think of him as so part and parcel of it that I think that he's just always going to be the best presenter um, in a way. Not to not to be too down on Patrick before he started, but it's it's hard to move beyond that. Yeah, I concur. I think it's it's it was you know a product of its time and its place. As somebody who grew up in the eighties. You know, Gay Byrne was was there. Uh, the controversies were there, and it's hard to break that 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 connection or that relationship between Gay Byrne and the Late Late Show. Um, yeah, so it'd have to be Gay Byrne for me as well. Oh, look, that was great. Thank you so much to both of you, Kirsty and Mark, for joining us today. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. This episode of the Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Thanks again to Mark O'Brien and Kirsty Blake Knox for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.